Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. If we were told today how much time we have left, how would you alter your life if you were told you've got five years left to live? How would you change your life? Well, if you would drastically change your life, then that means your priorities are seriously out of whack. You need to get them sorted out regardless of how long you have. You, you obviously don't know how long you have. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 14 through 21, in a message titled, The Believer's Walk. Now, here's Pastor Brian. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And so here Paul tells us four things. Number one, we are to walk in wisdom. Secondly, we are to walk in the power of the Spirit. Thirdly, we are to walk in thankfulness. And then fourthly, we are to walk in submission to one another. Let's look at each of those. First of all, walking in wisdom. What does that look like? Well, Paul says, see then that you walk circumspectly. The word circumspect means to, it's a combination of two words that mean to look around, to be aware of your environment. The idea is that we are to walk carefully. We're to to walk thoughtfully. We are to walk intentionally. And, you know, as I say walk, what we're really talking about is live. We we are to live carefully, thoughtfully, intentionally, as opposed to those whose lives are are marked by a, a randomness or just sort of a haphazard approach to life where there's no real thought being given. There's no real intentionality. There's no consideration uh, about the ramifications of the decisions that one is going to make and so forth. You know, you see, you see this all the time in people's lives. And you know, you just think, wow, you know, if, if these guys only would think ahead, you, you gotta think about where, where this is gonna lead you, what the outcome of this is. But, you know, people aren't thinking about it. And of course, uh, some people have prematurely into their lives because they haven't thought through the ramifications of their actions. A lot of people aren't thinking about how they're living. And what it amounts to is they're, they're actually living quite foolishly. But we're not to live foolishly. We are to live wisely. A fool gives no thought Not only does a fool give no thought to their life, but a fool gives no thought to God's will or way. 
Uh, a fool gives no thought to the future, especially eternity. So we're not to be foolish. We're to be thinking about how God would have us to live. And of course, he's told us how he would have us to live. He's told us right here in the pages of scripture. But you know, the Bible even tells us the, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But actually, if you look at that passage, Psalm 14, and there's another Psalm that repeats it exactly. If you look at that passage closely, you'll notice that the two words there is are in italics because the original simply says, the fool is said in his heart, no God. So the translators thought, you know, adding there is no God. And of course, if you're saying no to God, then you're essentially saying there is no God. I'm my own God. But according to the Bible, that's a foolish thing to do. To say no God is about as foolish a thing that anyone could do. Jesus told the story of a person who was foolish. Remember, he told the story of a man who had amassed a great amount of uh, grain, and subsequently, as a result of that, he had amassed a great amount of wealth. And so he sat back and he looked at all that he had, and he thought, "Man, I am just doing so great. You know, I'm going to build bigger barns and I'm going to store up more, and then I'm just going to, I'm just going to kick back and and take it easy, and I'm just going to enjoy life." And Jesus said, "You fool! Tonight, you're." This very night, your life will be required of you. Then who are those things going to belong to you? And then Jesus added this, uh, that the story was about those who are rich in this world's goods, but have no richness toward God. Jesus said, that's foolish. So when we're talking about walking in wisdom, we're talking about being thoughtful about our lives, being intentional being careful. And then he says, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't need to go into any great elaboration about the evil days that we're living in. It's pretty obvious, right? Seems that the greatest evil today, in our society anyway, is to suggest that anything is evil. If you say that something is evil, then, well, you're evil. So it's, it's an evil time. We're living in an evil time. What does Paul, Paul say to do? He says that in walking wisely, circumspectly, we're, we're going to redeem the time. Now, this, this word redeem can mean two different things. It, uh, oftentimes, it means to buy something back. Quite often, most often, it means that. But sometimes the context can be a little bit, give it a little bit of a different meaning. And so the other possible meaning is that we make the best use of our time. And it seems like in the context here that it could actually just, Paul could be referring to both things. No, of course, making the best use of our time. We certainly want to do that. But buying back or, or redeeming back, you know, there are certain things that we can redeem. There are... Uh, you know, you might look back on certain periods in your life and you think, man, I, you know, I wasted so much time on that. But then another opportunity comes along where it's similar, but you realize, you know, I really blew it back then. I'm not going to blow it this time. I'm going to redeem this situation. And by God's grace, sometimes he brings those opportunities around to where we can take something and we can redeem it. We can, 
use it for the glory of God. We have been given an allotted amount of time. And none of us really knows exactly how much time we have. You know, that that picture of an hourglass with the sand slipping through, that glass is, is really a picture of our lives. And none of us really know just how much sand there is left in that upper portion. We assume, we think that, oh, well, you know, there's plenty there. I, I've still got plenty of time to go. But we really don't know. Uh, we, we've been given an allotted amount of time. It is appointed unto men to die once. There, there's an appointed time. And, you know, if you took and you, you, we think, of course, in terms generally of years and how many years we have. But, you know, if you take and you reduce that to days or if you reduce it to even to hours, Boy, you start thinking, wow, I've only got X amount of hours left. That's pretty serious stuff. You know, I wonder if we were told today how much time we have left, how would you alter your life if you were told, look, you've got five years left to live? How how would you change your life? Well, if you would drastically change your life, then that means your priorities are seriously out of whack. You, you need to get them sorted out regardless of how long you have. You, you obviously don't know how long you have. None of us do. But redeeming the time, making the best use of the time, that's what, that's what walking in wisdom looks like. And then he says, he says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Knowing the will of God. The wise person seeks to know God's will. And God has a will. And since Paul is writing to Christians here, we know that that Paul's making reference to the specific will of God. God has a plan for you that's different than his plan for me. He has a unique will and purpose for each one of us. And the wise person seeks that out. You've probably heard somebody say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You know what? That's true. God loves people, and he has a plan for their lives. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. And the wise person is the person who says, I want to know what that purpose is. I want to discover that purpose. I want to live in the center of that purpose. I I want to do that. I want to be in the, in the center of God's will, and to the best of my ability, I have sought to do that over the years. Many times, you know, different things would come up, and maybe some opportunities, and I, I would make a decision not to go in a certain direction. People say, well, why didn't you do that? Well, I, I want to be in the center of God's will, and although that looked good and exciting, and it was even desirable, at the end of the day, I just didn't really see that as what God had. It wasn't, wasn't God's will. So know this, God has a will. He has a plan for you. And if you're walking in wisdom, if you're living like a wise person, you're gonna be seeking to discover that, to understand that, and to walk in that. So we're to walk in wisdom. Secondly, we are to walk, he said, in the power of the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit, he said. But notice in verse 18, before that, he said, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's obvious that Paul is making some kind of connection between these two things. Why would the apostle connect drunkenness and being filled with the Spirit? What is the connection? Well, I think the connection here is really that in both cases, we are coming under an outside influence. And what Paul is saying is don't come under the influence of uh, the destructive power of alcohol, rather come under the influence of the constructive power of the Holy Spirit. See, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, he says. And the word dissipation, there's one Greek word that's translated dissipation here in the NIV and the ESV, it's translated debauchery. In the HCSB, the translation there is, is a reckless life. And then we read the NLT today, and uh, the NLT translates it a ruined life. So the idea is that if you come under the influence and the the power of either one of these things, one of them is going to destroy you. The other one is going to bless you and build you up. So obviously, don't come under the influence of the destructive force. Do not be drunk with wine. How many millions of lives have been destroyed through the abuse of alcohol? I would guarantee it's more than the lives that have been destroyed through drugs. Not to say that you should use drugs. You shouldn't. They'll destroy you as well. But like I said, how many millions of lives have been destroyed through the abuse of alcohol. How many murders were committed under the influence of alcohol? I guarantee lots, lots and lots. Many cases of manslaughter, adultery, rape, violence, domestic violence, poverty, loss of health, premature death, disease. These things are connected to excessive uses of alcohol, abusing alcohol. Paul says, do not be drunk. That's an abuse. That's an excess. He didn't say, do not have a drink. He says, do not be drunk. So we must be very, very wise and very careful there. So you see, Paul says, in these days, as God's people, don't be putting yourself under the influence of these destructive forces. No, put yourself under the influence of the Spirit. Go to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the one. He's going to give you the real comfort. But the Holy Spirit is the comforter. That's what he does. So Paul is saying, don't be drunk, but rather be filled. And the idea here is be filled continually. It's it's literally be being filled with the Spirit. We're going to come back to that in a moment. But then he goes on and he says two more things. We are to walk in thankfulness, and then we are to walk in submission to one another. Walking in thankfulness. We have so much to be thankful for. God has been so good to us. Paul says, walk in thanksgiving. And you know, sometimes it's in these smaller, seemingly smaller things that the real difference is shown. When, when you find a person who's just a thankful person, wow, that's impressive. They're few and far between. 
So to find someone that's just thankful, that, there's something about that. People want to know about that. People are intrigued by that. Just an attitude of thankfulness can itself be an effective tool in creating an, an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody. But then he also says, walk in submission to one another. And the, the picture here is that of, a, of an attitude of yieldedness toward one another. You know, that, that we're yielding to one another, that we're, that we're giving place to one another, that we're preferring one another would be another way to look at it. You know, when you pull up at a four-way stop, what do you do? You yield. You yield to the person on your right. You give them, they have the right of way. You let them go. And so in, in life, as we go through life, it's easy to get into the trap of me first. Hey, I was there. That's my place. No, you, you know, you yield. I, I'm not going to yield. But the spirit of God's people is to be this spirit of mutual submission, which is this, this yieldedness where we're just, you know, preferring each other. But as we now go back for a moment to the filling with the Spirit, here's the thing. If we are continually seeking to be filled with the Spirit, everything else will take care of itself. So that's what I want to emphasize as we close. It's the, it's the emphasis on being filled, as Paul says, be being filled with the Spirit. Because if I'm filled with the Spirit, then of course I'm going to be walking in wisdom. I'm not going to be living foolishly if I'm under the influence and the control of the Spirit. If I'm under the influence of the Spirit, I'm, I'm going to have those fruits of the Spirit manifesting in my life. If I'm under the influence of the Spirit, I am going to be thankful. I am going to be yielded. I am going to be gracious. So, what does he mean? Be, be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled, continually filled. How does that happen? Well, Paul tells us here. He says, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. Now, the question is, is Paul talking about the outcome of being filled with the Spirit, or is he talking about the means to attaining the filling in the Spirit? I actually think he's referring to both. So how am I filled with the Spirit continually? Because he tells us to do that. So it's something that we seemingly have the ability to help in that process of that happening to us. What does that look like? Well, here's the thing. As we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, as we communicate with other, uh, one another the things of the Spirit, the things that God's doing in our lives, the things that God's speaking to us, the things that God's showing us, as we do that, that contributes to f- being filled with the Spirit. You know, I was talking to my, my son and I were out the other day having coffee, and we were talking about just conversation about spiritual things. And he was telling me, he said, you know, I love to talk. You know, when, when we talk about God loving us, I don't want to just stop with, yeah, I know God loves me. I want to talk about all of the 
the implications of that or all of the evidences for that. You know, let, God loves us, but let's see, how does he love us? How did he demonstrate his love to us? And what does that mean for me personally? And as we were talking, and as he was sharing that with me, and as I was listening to what he was saying, I think, you know, that's really what Paul's talking about here, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We're communicating back and forth with one another the things of the Spirit, and as a result, we are then being filled with the Spirit. But then there's the singing and the making music in your heart to the Lord. You know, as you just praise the Lord on your own, by yourself, in your car, on the job, under your breath, or walking down a street, or, or whatever you're doing, and notice, singing in your heart to the Lord. There's just something going on between you and the Lord. Isn't it amazing that we can do that? So, I would say this. Make sure you give yourself over frequently to spiritual things. That's how we're going to continue to be filled with the Spirit. Giving ourselves over frequently to times of prayer. You know, as you spend time in prayer, this is a time where you're being filled with the Spirit. Give yourself frequently to times of prayer. Stop and pray. Take opportunities to pray with other people believers, people that you know. And as you do that, realize that this is, this is what Paul's talking about, being filled with the Spirit. Give yourself frequently to times of meditation on God's Word. And frequently is the, the key word here. You know, if we're just occasionally getting time to meditate on God's Word, we're not going to maintain that that fullness that the apostle is talking about here. We need to do this frequently. We need to do this often. And of course, in saying that, that might mean that we're going to have to adjust some priorities. But remember, if we're redeeming the time, then that shouldn't be an issue because we're going to realize, you know, a lot of the things we're doing are just a waste of time. I don't need to do this. And so instead, how do I redeem the time? Well, instead of doing this thing that's you know, absolutely unprofitable spiritually in any way, shape, or form, or maybe in other ways as well, instead of doing this, I'm going to give time to the meditation on the Word. I'm going to seek to know it better and to understand it more clearly and to have it more a part of my life, giving ourselves frequently to worship and service to Jesus as we do the things that we do in uh, the area of service, that we're really doing them as unto the Lord. Then you'll walk in wisdom. Then you'll walk in the power of the Spirit. Then you will walk in thankfulness. Then you will walk in love. So be being filled with the Spirit. That's the word. Let's be filled with the Spirit. And as we're filled with the Spirit, the possibilities are limitless. All that God will do in us and all that He will do through us.
the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. The world is divided over issues like race, gender, sexuality, and health. But there are even greater divisions in the church, divisions over doctrines. But how as we as Christians move past doctrinal divisions in an effort to maintain unity, but without compromising the essential truths of Scripture? Well, in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Gavin Ortland provides a guide to help you prioritize doctrine according to four different ranks along a spectrum of doctrinal importance. This book will challenge you to consider the balance between faithfulness to God's Word and the need for Christian unity. If you want to be as effective as possible at advancing the gospel in our time, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.